If you would, open with me in your Bibles. Um, we're, we're continuing our series now. We're moving to a new, new section. Uh, well, actually, we moved to a new section last week. But turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm, Psalm 19, 12 and 13. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression, or really from greater transgressions. And one of the, the commentaries I was looking at says, says, then I'll be innocent from a pattern of transgressions and sins. But we're talking about prayer and the power that comes into the life of a believer through prayer. They're just some basics. We know these things. You're probably not going to hear anything uh, that you didn't know, but it's good to be reminded of these things. It's good to to meditate on them and to put them into practice. And we're talking about how to obtain fullness of power, not for power's sake, but for God's sake, so that we can be what God's called us to be, so that we can grow in our intimacy with Christ and our Christ-likeness. And I know that I need that in my life. There will never be a point that I don't need that. You know, we talked about the rapture uh, Sunday morning in Sunday school. We'll talk about it some more this coming Sunday. And then the Bible says, when we see Him, we'll be like Him, for we'll see Him as He is. There is going to be a real uh, change that takes place with our bodies and, and I believe in every way uh, as we're, we're transformed from this life to the next. But until then, there is a very, I would say, steady, powerful, genuine work that's taken place in our lives. It's not our imagination. It's not maybe it's taken place. The Bible says it's God who works in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Aren't you glad that it's God's will to do that? It's my will for Him to do that. And you and I just need to cooperate with Him. He's the potter. We're the clay. And if we will yield to the potter and let Him and don't fight against Him, you know, like, like the Lord said to Solomon on the Damascus Road, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. It's hard. Uh, we just need to yield to the Lord. We need to yield to what He's doing. And one of the things that helps us grow in our Christ-likeness and grow in, in every way in our Christianity is a prayer life. If you don't have a prayer life, God wants you to have a prayer life. You don't have to wait to hear from God on that. He's already spoken that in His Word. Amen? And you're not accepted to the role and neither am I. If you have a prayer life, no matter where you are in your prayer life, He wants to take you into a deeper place. I'm not telling you that He's looking to add five hours to it. He may be. I am saying He wants to grow you and me, all of us, in our effectiveness in our prayer uh, to deliver us and deliver me from just saying prayers, but to really compute, to bring me to a place where I really commune with God, to really uh, where we by faith lay hold on the Lord. We claim the promises of God and we lay hold on Him and we believe God for that personally in our lives and for those that we're praying for. Amen? It is not just, uh, it's not just an exercise, but there's an exercise by faith to where to where we're, we're seeing the results of it in our own walk with Christ and in prayers being answered. The Lord wants us to do that. He wants us to, to grow in that. So we're talking about, in this section, uh, about our prayer lives. And if you want to know any power in your Christianity, we're going to have to be men and women and young people of prayer. We're going to have to be. The Bible never, never tells us how long to pray, does it? You won't read where it says pray exactly this long every day, this many hours per week, and so forth. We do know that, the, the, that it's a, a pattern. 
that it's a habit, that it's not every now and then when we get into a bond or we feel really spiritual, we're going to pray. It is we pray, we pray, we pray. That's, that's just a, a basic of Christianity. We pray without ceasing. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Uh, we know that in the garden, the night that Jesus was betrayed, He, he prayed with, for His disciples, with His disciples, and asked them to pray. And He did rebuke them. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. He found them sleeping twice. And he says, uh, couldn't you pray with me one hour? I know I've shared it before with you all that uh, the Lord dealt with me and G and I had been married and she'd been saved and walking with God a lot longer than I had. But, but I had committed my life fully to Christ. There was no doubt about it. I'd give myself fully to the Lord. But it wasn't uh, maybe a, a year into our marriage uh, or thereabout that God began to deal with me about my prayer life. And what he convicted me about was that, that account in the garden where Jesus found his disciples sleeping. He, he knew what was about to take, take place literally in, in a few minutes. He was going to be arrested and he knew it was all coming to pass. It was going to be hard. I know he's God and he was God in the flesh, but it was still difficult. It's extremely difficult what he went through. And he was praying. He told his disciples to pray. And they went to a place of prayer where they would, normally would go. And when he found them, uh, twice they were sleeping. By the third time, he said, sleep on now. You know, it's, the time has passed. They that have betrayed me, you know, he is at hand. But the, the, what I, they convicted me, it was nothing that Dee said or, or a sermon or anything like that. The Lord just, I thought about that. Could you not pray one hour? Nobody told me any of this. It was just the Lord. And I was like, Randy, you're pathetic. You know, you can't pray one hour. You, you don't normally pray one hour. And I did not. I prayed, and I prayed every day, but I didn't have any real prayer time. Now, I'm not telling you, thus saith the Lord, you need to pray an hour. I'm saying what God spoke to my heart. He told me I need to really step it up in my prayer life. And in order to do it, I was going to have to step out in faith and trust Him. Because my difficulties in my prayer life are probably difficulties that we all face in prayer life. We are tired. We're crunched for time. Our mind drifts. We start drifting to our to-do list. Our, uh, we run out of things to pray for. Or we pray the same things and we don't see them answered and we kind of get discouraged. We would never tell somebody we're discouraged. But uh, we'll make it up tomorrow because we got too busy today. That's, that's normal. <coughs> to every human being. But, so I'm not telling you you have to pray an hour. I'm telling you, you might pray much more than that. You may be way beyond me in your prayer life. I'm just saying what God spoke to me. And He told me what to do about it. So He didn't leave me just hanging and in despair. Uh, he said, I want you to set your alarm clock one hour earlier than you normally get up. And I think that's when Dee and I were traveling and singing. And in between traveling and singing, I was doing every kind of odd job, odd job you can think of. And I remember very specifically at that time, I was just for like minimum wage doing some carpentry, like a carpenter's helper. Okay? Grown up with a college degree and I'm working for, you know, a few dollars an hour. But wherever, whatever time I would get up to go to the job site, uh, the Lord says, set, I don't remember what it was, but set your alarm clock an hour early. And I did. And can I tell you that it was difficult. 
you wanted me to say, oh, from that moment forth, it was like fireworks and a rainbow. And, you know, it was hard for a while. I can't remember how long, but God helped me. I would read my Bible and I would pray. And I would pray and I would read my Bible. And I look at my watch and it had been 10 minutes. And I'm like, oh my goodness. All right, and Lord, let's go at it again. I'll read another psalm and I'll pray through it. And I know one thing the Lord helped me to do. He helped me to be honest with Him and say, Lord, this is, this is hard for me. I love you. I'm a Christian. It wasn't anything like that. It was, it was a new thing in my life. And new things spiritually, like in a lot of things in life, can be difficult, but it's worth it. There's a, there's a grow, growing curve, you know, uh, where we have to learn. And God helped me. And it came, there came a point, and I can't tell you how long, I really don't remember. And it's probably a good thing because I don't want it to be a formula. But at some point in there, with its weeks into it, uh, it started going, the time started passing quicker. I stopped looking at my watch so much. It, there was more life to it. And then, then I didn't have to do that anymore. Let's put it that way, to where my prayer life was much more than an hour. Does that make sense? Some, but it, that's what it took to like get me jump started. And I don't minimize that. And people say, oh, you're just doing it in your flesh. We've heard that kind of thing. Oh, you're just trying to serve God. No, it was obedience to God. He told me what to do. I obeyed Him by faith. It was hard. But He helped me. And if He hadn't helped me, I would not have been able to do it. Not have quit after a day or a week. But He didn't let me quit. And He did bless it. And He did grow me in my prayer life. That wasn't even part of this tonight, but uh, I just want to encourage you. I'm not judging anybody if your prayer life is not not what it should be. I am provoking you, I pray, to good, the love and good works to, to trust God to help you to do it. And it will be more than worth it because you're meeting with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I really thought, you know, I'm doing construction work and I'm tired and I'm getting up early and I'm getting back late in the day. And... Uh, I'm going to need that sleep. And I, and I thought, Randy, you know, think about it. He's, he's my maker. If he can't refresh me, then it doesn't matter how many hours of sleep I get. You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking logic. I'm just thinking in my carnal mind, I need that sleep. But God is saying, trust me. I'll give you energy and, and strength for the day. Just take it one day at a time and put me first and, and do what I'm asking you and calling you to do. And he's so faithful to do that. But one of the things, we open up with this Psalm 19, 12, and 13. And one of the things that prayer has the power to do, um, and it really is the Lord through prayer, but the Lord has power to reveal ourselves to us. And we kind of touched on that last week when we started this, this chapter. Not only to reveal myself not to me, because he says in verse 12, who can understand his errors? He's talking about his own errors. Nobody else's. Who can look at his own heart and say, I'm wrong here, here, and here? Some things we see and they're obvious. But there are other things in our lives, no matter how long we've been walking with the Lord, we don't see and we won't see until God shows them to us. That needs to be part of our prayer is show me myself. Okay? And then to go beyond it, because we talked about that last week, He can help us when He shows us. If He shows me a secret fault about myself, then He is able to cleanse me from that fault. We're going to the right person. Amen? 
It's not like there's some silly commercials where, you know, I forgot what it's for, but, you know, this guy goes into the dentist and, and he's the dentist and the, the little hygienist is right there and they're looking at his mouth and say, that's one of the worst cavities I've ever seen. And then they say, we're going to go to lunch now. And he says, aren't you going to fix it? He goes, no, I'm not a dentist. I'm just a dental monitor. I just monitor to see whether you have a cavity. Uh, and it's kind of ridiculous. You know, we go to the Lord. Not only can he show us the faults, but then we stay right there with him and say, cleanse me from that. Deliver me from that. It's a stronghold in my life. It's something I've struggled with for a long time. It's hard. In fact, I don't think there's any hope outside of you, God. And that's what he wants to bring us to that place. So prayer brings us into things like that. Okay, into places like that. And, uh, and shows us ourselves. We know that the Bible says that... Uh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this scripture from Psalm 51 too. David, after he fell horribly into sin, adultery and murder and so forth, he prayed this prayer in Psalm 51 too. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Same thing we have in the New Testament, right? First John about we confess our sins. He cleanses us. And so uh, we need to see this. And y'all, I'll be honest with you. There are, there are things in, in men of God's lives and women of God's lives that hurt. There are sins that can be besetting sins. There are sins that nobody knows about possibly, probably. Because the big obvious ones, we're, we're very cautious to, you know, not do those things and, and let it be seen publicly. But there can be other hidden faults in our hearts and they can set us back. They can set you back from where you want to be in Christ. They can set you back from where you want to be, say, in ministry or in so many areas of your life, your peace, your joy. And, and it, they're little... Little or big, but they're in our lives and they're more secret and they're hidden and they're they're like gnaw at us. They're little fretting things that and we, we go God forgive me and then we go on and we never really have it dealt with and it's still there. Okay? I'm not even gonna name what they could be. I don't know what they could be. They're just different for everybody. But uh and we think we think we can't be really free from it. It's almost like we have to just live with that. You know what I'm talking about? Fear or worry. Uh, that's just part of my nature. It is, but it's not part of Christ's nature. Okay? Or, or, or lust or uh, pride or laziness. There are things that we can, we can camouflage to where people don't call us out on it necessarily, but God knows it's there. And we need to see it like he sees it. I'm including myself. I'm right in the same boat. Okay? And we need to go, finally, we've tried everything else. I would say before we try anything else, to go to the Lord how? In prayer. That's how we go to the Lord. We need to go to the Lord in prayer and honestly say, Lord, I'm not letting go until this is dealt with. Now, when I think about that, of course, we think of Jacob wrestling with the angel of the Lord, right? He said, I'm not letting go of you until you bless me. They wrestled to the break of day and, and uh, he did receive a blessing from the Lord. I don't think it necessarily has to be that we have to stay in one prolonged prayer time. 
like 12 hours, 24 hours. It might be if God shows you to do that. But I will say this. When God shows us a secret fault, a secret sin in our life, that's a weakness, He's going to also say, that, you know, Randy, this is holding you back. It's holding you back, not from heaven, okay, or salvation or anything like that. It's holding you back from your growth in, in the Lord. It's holding you back from your ministry or maybe your anointing or the effectiveness in your ministry. And until you deal with it, it's, it's going to continue to hold you back. The Lord says, I'm not taking it lightly and I don't want you to take it lightly. I want you to bring it to me. And so we need to bring it to God by faith and, and stay there in the sense of I'm not letting go of this until it's done. Again, it doesn't mean it's one prayer time. It does mean it's one prayer uh, until it's dealt with. Today, tomorrow, a few more days, a week, however long it takes until God sets us free from that and we know not only that we're forgiven, but we've gained some real victory from the Lord. He's touched us. He's helped us in that area. Okay? And prayer brings us into that place. Now we know it's actually going to be the Holy Spirit that would work in us, but the Holy Spirit, you know, He meets us in prayer. We call upon Him in prayer. So uh, that's so important, y'all. And we wouldn't even discern it in ourselves if God didn't show it to us. Because everybody else is complimenting us all the time. You're the most wonderful thing. You're the most godly thing. You're so kind. And in our hearts, we might think, I'm wretched. They don't, they don't know me. Or maybe we get to believe in all the praise, but we don't see it. We need to hear from the Lord. Amen? And He'll show us. He's also going to be kind. He's going to show us. And He doesn't just want to abuse us and say how horrible we are. He does want to deal with it, though, and have it dealt with and bring it out. So, uh, prayer also gives us the strength. When we go to the Lord in prayer, He gives us the strength to walk in victory over temptations. Not just a besetting sin, but the daily temptations that come your way. As long as we're living in this world, we're going to be tempted. Temptation is not a sin. Entertaining the temptation and giving in to the temptation and yielding to the temptation, that is sin because that's a choice. Because God has delivered me, not only forgiven me of my sins as a believer, He has delivered me from the power of sin, the Bible says. And so, there's no temptation taking you but such that is common to man. But who? God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able, able to bear it. And so that is true of any and every temptation. I mean, the hardest one you ever face where you're sweating buckshot trying to resist it. Still, God gives us the strength and the grace in every situation. Sometimes He tells us to flee, but in every situation, He gives us victory over the temptation. If you're still in Psalms, just turn back to Psalm 17 and let's read read verse 5. David knew about sin and falling into sin. The Bible kind of highlights it. You know, just puts his, his righteousness and him killing Goliath and his man after God's own heart and made a covenant with him, an everlasting covenant, which is wonderful that's still in, in place today. But he also shows us his humanity and his sinfulness and his error and in coming back to God. He knew all about it. But look at Psalm 17, verse 5. Hold up my goings 
in thy paths that my footsteps slip not. I think he's not just talking about walking on some rocky terrain. I, thought, I, think, I believe he's talking about morally. I, th- I believe he's talking about spiritually. Being the king, he could have given in to so many temptations. You know, just abuse of power, anything, laziness. Uh, he could have done whatever he wanted. And so he's, he's saying, hold up my going. So how is he saying? He's going to the Lord in prayer and basically saying, give me, give me strength where I put my feet, decisions I make today, you know, to overcome temptation and not to fall into temptation. I believe if any of us praise that prayer, that's a prayer that's going to be heard. That's a prayer. Deliver us from temptation. Lead us not you know, into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And Jesus said, this is how men ought to pray. He gave a model prayer. And that's included in that. God is going to, going to hear that. Jesus told the disciples, and I, I referred to it when I began, in the Garden of Eden, this was a specific prayer, in Luke twenty-two forty, pray that you enter not into temptation. That was a specific prayer. You're my friends. You are they that have continued with me from the beginning. And I, I, need, I want you to pray with me and I need you to pray with me now. And he took the disciples with him. Judas was out doing what he was doing in, the night, in his betrayal. But the other disciples, disciples were there. Jesus went a little further like a stone's throw away. It was nighttime. They were praying. And he said to them, pray that you enter not into temptation. And we, again, he came, he found them sleeping. They <coughs> failed. Okay? There's no, there's no other way of looking at it. I'm not saying I'm any better than them. I'm simply saying that they failed. He asked them to pray and to pray that they wouldn't enter temptation. How serious a time it was. And they were sleeping. Their eyes were heavy. I've been there and done that. So I'm no better than them. He, he rebuked them. He went away and prayed again. He came back found them sleeping again. They didn't know what to say. What can you say? We blew it, Lord. We failed. We failed twice. But y'all, we don't have to live that way. I don't believe the disciples, especially after the day of Pentecost, I don't believe they continued to live that way. I'm not saying they were perfect from that day forward, but I think there was a great measure of victory that came. Uh, After the resurrection, they saw their Lord resurrected the faith that came into their hearts. And after Pentecost, when they received the fullness of the Spirit, uh, they came off after that. They, they were victorious in, in so many areas. And we see them praying and calling upon the Lord. But y'all, we have to prepare for that. We have to prepare for the temptations that are going to come our way. And how do we prepare for that? One of the main ways, if not the main way, is going to be our prayer life. Again, I don't think the Bible teaches that we just pray like somebody that crams for a test. I got a big trunk. I'm preaching tomorrow. I'm teaching Sunday school tomorrow. Uh, should we pray for that? Absolutely. And we should, okay? If we're going to be ministering, whatever, facing my lost family tomorrow and I'm going to try to witness to them, things like that. Yes, we pray, but God wants us to live a lifestyle of prayer. Because we don't know when a temptation is going to pop up. We don't know when a, an alarming phone call is going to come that catches us off guard and we're tempted to fear. We're tempted to fret. We're tempted to lose hope in God. 
of all things that can happen, Lord, this, I just can't believe this. And we didn't expect it. And it knocked us over because it was so, so strong. I'm just making up something. We have to be prayed up is the best way to put it. To live a lifestyle of prayer. Because we do have things that hit our lives that are like calamities. And 30 seconds ago, everything was normal. And now, life's changed. Drastically. Something happened. Okay? And prayer is the answer for that. God is the answer for that. But His answer to that is prayer. Pray that you enter not into temptation. He already tells us we're going to have trials. But the temptation part is that you don't, you don't enter into it. You see? You're going to be tempted because this is the world that we live in. That's not a sin. Pray that you don't enter into it. That's the prayer. And we can come off uh, in victory and triumph. And a lot of people have failed because honestly, they have been sleeping when they should have been praying. Just like the disciples in the garden. They were sleeping when they should have been praying. I'm not saying they're not saved. I'm not saying they don't love the Lord. I'm saying they're sleeping when they should have been praying. And I have been guilty of that as well. Another thing that God uses prayer uh, to strengthen the believer is in power over our tongues. Have you ever said anything? And if you haven't, I want to see you, your hand because it's an amazing thing. But have you ever said anything that you regretted? <laughs> have you ever said anything and you wished you could reel it back in and have a redo and like that never happened and I want to back up to here before I said that and we'll bypass that like I never did it. But we don't. We're not able to. God forgives us. Our spouses can forgive us. Other people can forgive us. But it's been said. It can bring shame to Christ. It can be a reproach to Christ. It can... Uh, many, many hurtful things can be done through our words, right? Through things we say. Um, again, the Lord can forgive us of all that. Don't live in bondage to it. If you've said mean things, hurtful things, sinful things, gross things, uh, I, I have too. But, but isn't it better to not say that in the first place? That God would give us power to govern our tongues. And it comes through prayer. Okay? And so I'll just read this from James. You know the Scripture. And I know the ladies did a, a ladies Bible study uh, months and months ago about through the book of James. One of the Scriptures there in James 3.8. The tongue can no man tame. That means that I myself can't even tame my own tongue. The tongue no man can tame. He talks about we put, we put bits and bridles in horses' mouth and we can tame them to a certain degree to make them subservient to what we want them to do. Because that bridle hurts when you yank back on it. Okay? It hurts their mouths. Uh, so you can tame this beast and a lion can be tamed and different things like that. But he says the tongue is unruly. Okay? And no man can tame it. But God can so, so many things we can't do that God can do. So what do I have to do? I need to call upon the Lord. The simplicity of this lesson about how to obtain fullness of power, the simplicity of this chapter on prayer is pray. Go to God in prayer because He's the answer for everything. And we worry about problems. We battle with problems. We struggle with problems. We struggle with failure. And when we could be spending all that time praying and seeing some real victory. God's not a respecter of persons. 
If he answered James' prayer and Elijah's prayer and in uh, different people's prayers in the Bible and Jesus' prayers when he was on the earth, he, he answers our prayers as well by faith. And so no man can tame the tongue, but God can tame it. I'm just going to read this for Tom's sake. In Psalm 141.3, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Isn't that what David's talking about? Old Testament and New Testament. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth like a guard. Keep the door of my lips. And read through Proverbs how much it talks about the foolishness of a, of a tongue. And a, a fool is known by his many words. He just talks all the time. Look at these talk shows on TV. Don't look at them, okay? But if you've seen the talk shows on TV uh, where these ladies and people just, they're, they're, they're just blabbering all the time. You can, you can tell their foolishness by their multitude of their words. They just talk, 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 talk. And there's somebody a lot smarter than them, a lot wiser than them, but they're going to be the ones do all the talking. They don't know anything. And they think they do. Okay? They talk, talk, talk. That's not even talking about godly wisdom. That's just in, in life. But if we ask God in prayer like David did to set a guard, O Lord, on my lips... Keep the door of my lips. The Lord's going to answer that. You know why? Because He wants to do that. He wants you to guard your lips. So He wants us to pray about those things. And then He helps us. How many of you, I said earlier, said things you've regretted? We all have. I've done it since I've been saved. I've been, done it more times than I wish I had. But I have seen progress. If you know what I mean, I have seen victory in that. I, I used to curse before I was saved. And I remember being in high school and college, not cursed out of anger. It was just every now and then, I would just curse like the guys around me cursed. Shooting basketball, playing football, whatever, you know. And God changed me. I don't do that anymore. God changed me. So I'm not gloating or bragging. There's real progress. God has changed us, our hearts. Right of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? He's changed my heart. And that's not in there anymore. And I thank God it's not. He'll do it. And then He changes our speech and He makes it speech that's seasoned with salt. He makes our speech filled with grace and gentleness and kindness. He can do that. We might have blown it royally. Even after we prayed this, ask God to forgive you and keep walking. Don't go back to the, the old habits of sin. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about lifestyles and habits. Not just isolated incidences. But uh, and just uh, probably just one more thing we're going to talk about tonight. That prayer has power to, to give us the wisdom of God. And we've talked about wisdom a lot. Not just intelligence, not intellectual uh, wisdom and school smart wisdom. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's not the most valuable. It's not even close to being the most valuable. Godly wisdom. Godly wisdom is priceless. Author Solomon says in the Proverbs, godly wisdom, to know what to do in a situation, to have the faith to trust God in a situation, to know how to counsel someone, to know how to counsel yourself, to know how to... Um, everybody else is panicking and fretting and they're, they're jumping ship and they're doing this over here. And God gives you wisdom just to be still. Be still and know that I'm God. Wisdom to know uh, you have a thousand things that you could say to this person right now, but God says right now I want you to be quiet. I'm dealing with them. Just let me deal with them. 
That's wisdom. That's wisdom to know this is from God. This is what I should do right now in this situation. And an hour from then, He might tell you to speak. Okay? And just say this and stop. There's, there's such a great need for the wisdom of God. Okay? For godly wisdom. We all know the passage, but let's turn there. We were talking about the tongue in James. Let's look at James. James chapter 1 deals with the wisdom. We all know the passage. Let's just read it. James 1, 5 through 8. Well, I'm going to back up because I think this applies to it. In verse 2, my brethren, count all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. That, that word there means different uh, trials. Okay? Trials and struggles. He says, count it all joy. Knowing this, that the trying or the testing of your faith works patience. But let, that's my responsibility. Okay? Let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect, that means complete and mature, and entire, lacking nothing. Or he goes right from there to say, if any of you lack wisdom. Well, if there's any time we need wisdom, we need it all the time, but any time specifically we desperately need wisdom is when we're going through a trial, <coughs> we're going through a temptation, when we're going through a difficulty. Again, the temptation is to do the first thing that pops into your mind. So-and-so said this to me. I have a, a thousand answers on the tip of my tongue that I can let fly at him. But maybe it's not God's to do that. Maybe I'm to go say I love you, I'm praying for you, and go shut the door and get on my knees and pray and fast. Maybe you just don't know. God knows. When we go through trials and tribulations, the temptation is to to quickly fix it with our resources, my intelligence, my abilities, my finances, my cleverness, you know, uh, I'm good at talking to people, I can persuade them of things, then I'm just going to patch it up real quick. And that's the temptation, but that's not godly wisdom. And so the first thing is to go to the Lord in prayer. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That's the prayer part. Now he's describing God. He gives to all men liberally and freely and upbraids not. He's not going to rebuke you for coming to him a million times for wisdom. He gives liberally and he doesn't upbraid you for doing it or me. Aren't you glad? And upbraideth not and it shall be given him. And there's just no um, doubt about it. It shall be given him. The only qualification that is given, it's very clear and it's given all through the Bible about prayer, is but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. What is a wave of the sea? You see it up and down, up and down, up and down. There's times we feel really great about our Christianity. There's times we feel God is so close, literally I could reach out and touch Him. I could hug Him. I could give Him a handshake. I feel that close to God. I feel like I can walk out to those bunch of people in the street corner who are cursing and cutting up and walk in there and share the Gospel with them. I just feel that strong in the Lord. And there's other times we feel like He's a million miles away and we're wondering if we're even saved. Okay? That's a wave, like a wave of the sea driven with the wind. 
God doesn't want us to be driven with the wind. He wants us to be led by the Good Shepherd. He wants to be filled with the Spirit. And so He wants us to have wisdom. He said, driven with the wind and tossed, that's what He's like. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Not just wisdom, which He's talking about. You don't think that you're going to receive anything from the Lord. So if my faith is that weak, then that needs to be my first prayer. Lord, help thou my unbelief. I believe. Help thou my unbelief. We don't have to have a lot of faith. We just have to have genuine faith. And God can build on it. Okay? We have faith as a grain of mustard seed, He says. And nothing shall be impossible to him who believes. And so, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So this is talking about wisdom, prayer for wisdom, but really prayer in everything. Okay? Prayer in everything that God gives us that wisdom. Isn't it wonderful to know that this only the only wise God is the way the Bible puts it. Omniscient means all knowing. Nobody else and nothing else is all knowing. You understand what I'm saying? Satan is powerful. Satan knows things I don't know, but he doesn't know things that my God doesn't know. And so we have that literally at our disposal. That's what this says. Just there's periods at the end of those sentences that it shall be given him. Let him ask in faith. It shall be given him. If you lack wisdom, ask of God. And so we go to the Lord and we have this um, the all, all-knowing God who knows all things. And His wisdom is literally at our disposal. He wants us to have it. And a, a picture of Peter and John when they were before the religious council and it says they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And that the, the, the people that were unbelievers, the religious that were threatening them and, and charging them not to preach in Jesus' name anymore, they took knowledge that they had been with Jesus. They knew they, they were ignorant and unlearned men. But they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And I believe part of that was the wisdom because they could not refute the words that they spoke. Same with Stephen when he, when he spoke. They couldn't refute his words. They could, have, they could say things, but there was no genuine combating their argument that Stephen had or that uh, John and, and Peter had. That's the wisdom of God. That is at our disposal at any time. Have you, can you think of a time in your life where the Lord has given you wisdom like that. It's not a boast on yourself or you pat yourself on your back and say I'm wiser than everyone else. Where God gave you wisdom. And if He hadn't given you the wisdom, you wouldn't have had it. And looking back saying that was exactly what needed to be said. That was exactly what needed to be done. I discerned at the time that's what God was giving me to say. What He was showing me to do. It's a wonderful feeling. And I've had the other as a believer, as a pastor where I've been hasty, I've spoken my mind, I've said things that just seemed like the appropriate thing to say at the time and later, and done things like that, not sinful things, but later saying, that made that situation so much worse. That was not what I should have said right then. That's not what I should have done. I'm not saying we never speak up, okay? I'm saying that we need the wisdom of God to speak. 
there are times we speak very boldly and we speak very often and a lot of words and loud and whatever it may be. But we know that we've heard from God. We want to speak and live and act and function with His wisdom. The world knows nothing about that. It really confounds the world. They don't understand it. They don't understand where you got that kind of wisdom. They just don't get it. It comes from God. We're able to give God the glory and say it came from the Lord. Again, they perceived that they were ignorant and unlearned men. But they took knowledge of them. They had been with Jesus. They had been with Him in prayer. Okay? They had been with Him in prayer. And so, um, God wants us to walk in that, that wisdom. He gives us understanding of His Word when we pray. Um, we pray and, and you know, Scriptures that theologians have battled over for years and, and not been able to grasp or maybe the Scriptures that you've read in your life and you just kind of hurry and get past it because you can never figure it out. You don't like to dwell on it because you don't understand it. We've all had those Scriptures like that or nuances of doctrine that we don't quite get. And then as we pray, God can make those things clear. And you say, well, I've got ten different concordances here this thick. And God gave me understanding of it and they that they didn't really see here. It's not a bragging thing. It's, as we pray, God gives wisdom, direction, choices to make, uh, but also understanding of His Word. The Holy Spirit is our teacher and He can teach us. and has nothing to do with our education. has everything to do with our intimacy with Christ, our faith in the Lord when we pray to believe that He hears us that He's going to answer us when we pray. I want to close, y'all, with just these Scriptures. I'm going to read a couple. And and the altars are going to be open. I just feel like this is where we're to be done tonight. But these are all just one little Scripture each from the Psalms that David was praying. And we're talking about prayer and what comes to the believer through prayer. And here's Psalm 25.4. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. It's a prayer, right? He's not asking me or the priest. He's calling upon God. Show me thy paths, O Lord. Me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Psalm 86, 11. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Psalm 119, 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. He's praying. It's not enough just to read the statutes of the law or read the Bible. We need God to teach it, to take it from the paper and put it in my heart and then conform me to it, to where I obey it, to where I walk in it consistently as a pattern and I've changed. And now I become like your word. I become like that godly man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Amen? Teach me to do thy will. Psalm 143.10 For Thou art my God. Thy Spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. One more. Psalm 119.18 Indeed, the altars are open. Uh, Open Thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of Thy law. His eyes were already open. He wasn't blind. He could read the law like any man could read it. But you see His prayer there. And I'll close with that one. Open Thou mine eyes, my spiritual understanding that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. 
And so we're just going to close with that tonight. Let God speak to you about your prayer life. It's encouraging. Don't be discouraged. If He's convicted you about something, He's also going to help you. He's not going to convict you and leave you hanging and say, figure it out. And be frustrated the rest of your life. If He convicts you and me of something, then call upon Him. Okay, now you've showed me, God. It seems like an unpassable gap between where I am and where You showed me I need to be. The only one that can get me there is You. But You can get me there. And I'm going to trust You to do it. Show me what You'd have me to do. I'll obey You. But Lord, You're going to have to get me from here to where You want me to be. In my prayer life and in every other life, area of life. So Father, we come before You. And I'm going to pray like David did. Open Thou my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of Your law. Teach me to do Your will. For Thou art my God. Thy Spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Lord, I pray that for our church. I pray that for the young people here. I pray for the children. I pray for the new believers. I pray for the saints that have been saved for many years. I pray for myself. I pray for those that aren't here tonight because they're, they're out of town or whatever the case is. Teach me to do Your will. For Thou art my God. Thy Spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Y'all, the altars are open. If you just want to come kneel up here for a little while or kneel at your chair, take a few moments tonight and pray. Call upon the Lord. You say, well, I pray all the time. Well, He wants you to pray right now. He wants us to take what we've heard tonight from His Word and let the Holy Spirit impart it to our lives. He doesn't want it to go in one ear and out the other. He wants us to take the Word and lay hold on it by faith. In Jesus' name, thank You, Lord. Help us, God.